Jimmy, how you doing? Thank you for taking time to be on the Bitcoin Source. Can we start things off by you introducing yourself to the audience? Yeah, my name is Jimmy Song. I'm a Bitcoin developer, educator, and entrepreneur. I've been in Bitcoin for the last wow, 11 years, and I've been uh, I've written several books, including Programming Bitcoin, which was published with O'Reilly, The Little Bitcoin Book, Thank God for Bitcoin, and Bitcoin Andy. Most definitely, Jimmy. Thank you for that introduction. Um, usually, the first question that I ask people when they come on the show is, you know, what inspired you to become a Bitcoiner, whether it was books, courses, or even people in the Bitcoin ecosystem? So could you kind of break down, you know, any of those things that kind of helped you to become a better Bitcoiner? Well, I mean... Uh, uh, how I got started was back in 2011, and there were barely any sources at all back then. Um, I, I, I still remember reading uh, the first story on Bitcoin on Slashdot, and I think the title was Internet-Only Currency Bitcoin Reaches Dollar Parity. And I didn't know what that was. I, I couldn't even parse that sentence. I'm like, what? what, what is this thing that can reach dollar parity? What does that even mean? Uh, so I, I went down the rabbit hole pretty quick and I was fortunate enough to, um, you know, have studied math in college. So I knew something about public key cryptography and how all that worked. And, you know, I, I also studied some Austrian economics, um, after 2008. So everything sort of fell into place for me when I read that story and, you know, went down the rabbit hole. Oh, okay. It works with cryptography. I, I can understand how that would work. And, um, and there's a 21 million limit using sort of like an asymptotic function of uh, issuance. Um, so I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. So I, I kind of got it right away. Uh, I mean, it, it took a couple of years before I really into it in terms of like development and coding and all that stuff. Uh, but back then there really just wasn't very much. And uh, part of that frustration is why I wrote all of the books that I did is because there just weren't those resources back then. Um, and, you know, you, you pretty much had to be kind of a tech libertarian geek like me in order to get into it in 2011. Uh, thankfully, nowadays, there's uh, there's a lot more resources. And I, I can tell you that, uh, you know, when I first read the Bitcoin standard, and this was uh, before it went to publication, when Safedean had his uh, sort of first, um, uh, like, preliminary draft, he sent it to me, and, uh, and you know, I, I read through it, and I gave him a lot of feedback, and but I, I, I was just floored by sort of the clear economic thinking from that book. So that, that, that was one of the most important ones for me, because it gave me a very deep um, economic understanding of what money is and how uh, how the fiat monetary system is just, you know, uh, a complete, you know, cesspool of theft and corruption and all that stuff. Um, and I, I try to make that clear in uh, the other books that I've written, um, just sort of going, you know, a significant part of the um you know, the little Bitcoin book, thank God for Bitcoin and Bitcoin and the American dream is just sort of describing how the current system works, which most people honestly don't know. Um, so I think uh, learning that definitely helped me become a much better Bitcoiner. And, uh, you know, I, I sort of been in it a long time. So I, I've taken on different hats, if you will. I've, I, I've tried being nice to people to get them to understand Bitcoin. I mean, my friends and family, you know, I've I've been trying to get them to buy Bitcoin since like 2013. Um, and, you know, I, I have some experience trying to convince people and, you know, what works and what doesn't and uh, sort of the uh, 
uh, current persona, per current public profile and current sort of public statements that I make are optimized towards, um, you know, getting people to change, I guess, uh, or the best that I've found so far. Maybe there's a better way, but that's, um, you know, I, I, <laughs> it's a kind of a long winded answer, but there, there oh. you go. What I really want to dig into and peel back is kind of your software engineering technical background. And in your book, Programming Bitcoin, you teach about, you know, how to program Bitcoin from scratch, you know, on the Bitcoin core protocol. And, you know, my question to you, Jimmy, is what is your favorite way to contribute to the protocol, whether it be uh, peer review, testing or patches? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I got into software engineering like. I don't know, like I've been programming computers since I was like nine, right? Like this is, and there, there are certain people like this, and maybe you're one of them where, you know, you just have, like, you have an attraction to, uh, you know, code and computers and technical stuff from an early age. And yeah, I, I didn't really understand what a computer did or anything. I just knew I wanted one. And I begged my dad until he took me to Toys R Us and got me the Commodore 64, not even the... Uh, the Commodore 16, not even the 64, which had all the great games. I got the 16, which had exactly like three games, and I couldn't, I, I couldn't do anything other than program in basic in it. So that, that's where I sort of like cut my chops. And, uh, you know, I took a bunch of computer science courses in high school. Um, you know, I, I, I did math in college, but, you know, that, um, that I, I was forged in that like world of, uh, software engineering from an early age. Now, I, I understand that not everyone kind of does that. Uh, and for people that sort of come in a little bit later, maybe through like, um, you know, boot camp or something like that, it's obviously a very different experience. Uh, you know, they maybe they weren't in it from an early age. So, you know, it's not as much a part of them uh, at that moment. Uh, but I can assure you that as you as you get into the industry and as you you know dig deeper, you know you'll you'll find sort of the niche that uh, that that you identify the most with, where where you can sort of provide the most value and so on. Um, for me, I, I found that uh, the the talent that I have is in teaching other people, and that's why I wrote the book. That's why I teach these seminars. Um, I, I certainly have done all sorts of software engineering. I've been one for like 23 years now. So, you know, there, there's a, a long, a, you know, period of experience that I can draw on and I, I, I can contribute to core and I have. Uh, but that's, uh, that's not necessarily going to be the best use of my time because I, I have a talent for teaching other people. And, uh, you know, I, I've taught at this point over 800 developers and you know many of them work in some of the biggest uh bitcoin companies in the world in fact i think most of the biggest ones i have at least one student in and many of them i, I don't even know where they are but i know they work in bitcoin somewhere and they just sort of pop up at conferences like hey i took your course back in 2018 or something like that um but yeah, I, I would say that that's my particular way of contribution. Um, I, I do have some commits to my name. Most are around Python and testing. And, you know, I, I, I did review a bunch of pull requests and things like that and tried to test them as best I could. Um, and, you know, that, that might be your talent. Um, that's certainly a, a very needed thing within the core development realm at this point. Uh, but. Uh, but you know, that's, uh, you know, I, I do do those uh, once in a while still, but, 
Um, but yeah, like where my talents and my skills are, um, I think they're best served doing what I'm doing, which is, you know, teaching other people. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up, Jimmy, because, you know, speaking on myself, I'm kind of more, um, content heavy. I'm a writer. I've written for Bitcoin mag. I'm, you know, been a lead writer for black Bitcoin billionaires. And, um, on the coding side, I do code, but I've always found myself more of a front end coder. Um, you know, C plus plus is just, it just is hard. You know, if you don't get in early, very, very young, like I started coding in my early twenties. So it was harder for me to understand the concepts of some of the core protocol, um, C plus plus, like you just have to have a kind of a, a mental mechanism to understand that level of code. But you know, Lamar Wilson is a good example of someone that's a mentor to me. And um, I've just seen him kind of, you know, reiterate code and being proficient in it. And for me, I always just kind of look at it from a UI perspective where um, a book like Programming Bitcoin always caught my attention because even though I can't really code in C++, I've always been curious to just have a better understanding of Bitcoin core and, you know, some of the people in the space such as yourself that have been impactful in that front. So um, thank you, Jimmy, for kind of breaking that down. That's that's huge. Yeah. And uh, and, you know, I, I make no secret of the fact that Lamar is like being a TA for me several times <laughs> in teaching my course. And he's uh, he, he's a very good coder himself. Um, the thing about C++ is that, um, you know, there, there's like many varieties of it and you have to import all these libraries and it's, uh, it's, it's very much, um, it, it's a very fickle language, right? You have to do a lot of memory management, stuff like that. Um, and it, it can be very annoying to code. Uh, but you do get, um, you know, incredible speed ups and you get incredible performance out of it. And if you think about uh, Bitcoin and what it needs to be, th those are some of the things that you kind of need because you want it to be runnable on commodity uh, hardware. Not, you, you know, like I think on like to run an Ethereum node, you need like, uh, you know, $10,000 machine could run a core node on a $30 Raspberry Pi. Um, and that's partly because it's uh, it's written so efficiently in a language that does sort of get to the bare metal and stuff like that. Um, you know, I, I uh, you know, if you read the book and go through all of the exercises, by the end you can actually like download blocks straight from the network and verify them and so on. Now you're not going to verify everything that you know Bitcoin Core does. But you can verify a significant amount of it, but it's going to be much slower because Python is a slower language. It, it doesn't touch the bare metal. It doesn't do, uh, you know, it takes care of memory management for you and so on. So, um, you know, it, it, that, that's, but that's why I wrote it in Python is because it's going to be a lot easier to understand and you can sort of get into it, uh, without necessarily, you know, having to deal with all of the nuances of uh, C++ or something like that. So, uh, you know, I mean, there, there are people that have a talent for doing that sort of thing, and God bless them, because you need every one of them to, you know, optimize the hell out of it, which they've been doing for, you know, the last 10 years or whatever, um, because you want it to be, uh, you know, I, even as the blockchain grows, you want it to uh, run on commodity hardware that people can afford so that they can verify things for themselves and not have to trust the uh, you know, AWS or Impure or whatever. Uh, and that, that, that's a very good thing. So, um, yeah, there, there's, you know, I, I wouldn't give up on, uh, your dream of learning C++ if that's the direction you want to go. Um, you know, it's just a matter of studying. I mean, there's lots of people that have, uh, sort of done that. I think, uh, 
Amidi, Utarwar, and Gloria Zhao are two uh, people that have done very well just sort of learning it. Um, and, you know, I think Amidi and uh, e even wrote a whole thing on how she learned C++ just like step by step. She like used Anki flashcards and went through all these exercises and she's been a very good core contributor after that. So, you know, it can be done. It's just a matter of if that's your inclination, where your skills lie, and that's also what you want to do. Um, so, you know, uh, I mean, don't, don't give up <laughs> if, if that's something that you want to do. It's, uh, it's, you know, I, just because I'm not teaching it or whatever, it, it's definitely possible. And, you know, there are plenty of programs that'll, um, help you. And, you know, I mean, chain code has the residency program. They, um, and, you know, Jack Dorsey, I think has that, uh, you know, uh, foundation for teaching developers in Africa and India and so on. Um, you know, the, this is exactly the sort of thing where they, they want more people involved so that we, it's more and more robust and, you know, more, you know, ha has a larger variety of contributors and so on. Yeah, and I agree with that 100%. And, um, you know, I'll definitely look into some of those things that you mentioned, because I think that that's important. I think that um, understanding this digital revolution that we're going through, you know, not everybody's going to be built to be a coder, but I do think that it's important, especially if you're a Bitcoiner, to just at least can read the code or understand what's going on. And, uh, you know, that's just one of those things where, you know, some people are technical and some people are not. So thank you, Jimmy, for that. That's super important. Um, my next question is more on the Bitcoin evangelism side, kind of the things that you do in the space that, you know, people love you for. And do you believe that the corruption of the fiat system um, can be redeemed through Bitcoin? I, I certainly hope so. And I've been writing lots of articles on, uh, along those lines. But yeah, I mean, the, the thing about fiat money is that it just absolutely corrupts everything. Um, and the incentives go all out of whack because you have this, uh, you know, unnatural buyer in the market that can essentially steal from everybody else to buy whatever they want. Uh, and, and whatever they buy tends to be, you know, uh, you know, emphasized in the market in a very unnatural way. So, you know, the government, for example, spends insane amounts of money on defense, right? Um, on weapon systems and, you know, um, espionage and things like that, which, uh, which don't actually provide any good or service really to anybody. Um, other than the people that are contracted to provide them, like Lockheed Martin and you know other defense contractors like that, and they're they're able to make tons of money without necessarily providing that much value. Because a lot of these weapon systems that you know the Pentagon orders and stuff, like like ninety percent of them don't work, <laughs> and that, that's like sort of the dirty secret of uh, of a lot of uh, the spending is they don't work. So think about it, like. You paid, you know, a hundred billion, a hundred million dollars to go make a new weapon system for something or other, and it doesn't work. But they still got paid a hundred million dollars, right? Like that, that, that's, you know. And what are those people doing? Well, they're they made something that doesn't work and still got paid for it. And what they should have been doing is, you know, other productive work that could actually contribute to other people's lives through goods and services. Instead, they're like the biggest leeches they're they're stealing from everybody else through inflation and that's that's how they're getting paid so uh yeah in that sense like we we've uh gotten to a point where a significant percentage of the workforce is just rent seeking they're, they're not providing anything um 
they're suckling on the government teeth, if you will, in some way, shape, or form. And you know, once you get to a point where the rent seekers outnumber the producers, or like the cumulative effect of what they're doing uh, overwhelms the actual production, you get civilization decline. And I think we've basically reached that point since about 1971. Um, you know, one of the things I like to point out is I, I think. When man landed on the moon in 1969, that was sort of the peak of our civilization so far. Because what have we done since then? Have we have we actually done anything like remarkable or you know in some way expanding the frontier? I mean, maybe we got better telescopes. Uh, we have better social media, I guess. Uh, we 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 we're better at navel gazing, and maybe we have you know nicer cars or shirts or headphones but like have we actually expanded humanity you know like have we you know reached for the stars in any way or gone gone out further no we haven't and you know th this is kind of what happens when you get when you you know sort of manipulate incentives like that with fiat money is that you you start to get decline um it's not a coincidence that you know, Rome started to decline after, you know, the money was debased because all of the incentives sort of go off the rails at that point. Um, and, you know, uh, you, you become way more vulnerable. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I think a return to sound money, a return to better money, I think makes everything better uh, because you take out all of these rent seekers. I mean, you know, some of the best and the brightest in the world are going into stuff like investment banking, which doesn't provide anything. Uh, <laughs> it's actually stealing from everybody else. Uh, and those are the smartest people that, you know, from the best schools that, that that's what they're doing instead of building rocket ships to Mars or, you know, uh, new forms of nuclear energy or something productive. And instead they're, you know, playing financial games so that they can get a $200 million and, buy a yacht or something it's 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 really kind of unconscionable and um i i do think that bitcoin really reverses all of that yeah i would have to agree with that too jimmy and i think the only qualm i would say is that i think that you know after we landed on the moon the only thing that we did that was instrumental in my opinion was you know creating the internet which allows bitcoin to kind of run and do these things but you know with the invention of the internet there's issues with that as well that we're now seeing. And, you know, I think Bitcoin has two things that make it really important for someone that wants to onboard into this system, which is, um, you know, faith and conviction. And I know that you're a devout Christian. So my next question for you, Jimmy, is, you know, how has Bitcoin made your faith stronger as a tool for freedom? I think uh, the, the thing that Bitcoin has done is sort of remove a lot of fiat, <laughs> if that makes sense. Uh, so, uh, you know, we live in a very fiat world and we don't really recognize it as such. Right. So, um, if you have a fiat job, you, uh, you're playing a lot of political games at your job, whether you know it or not. Right. Like, um, if you, if you don't say the politically correct thing, then you're, you're, you're not going to advance or whatever. And, and that, that's just kind of a reality. It's not about your skill or your aptitude. It's just, sort of being least objectionable politically um, to to advance. And that that's the game a lot of people know how to play. And it's unfortunate because, uh, you know, the, the most skilled or the people with the best ideas don't necessarily advance. It's the people that know how to play the political game. And you kind of see it in Congress and C-suite executive offices and stuff like that. They they very rarely come up with like interesting ideas, right? They're, 
they're all sort of like old decrepit people that just know how to manage their power. They're very good at maybe charming people at like uh, building political alliances, but making new products, goods, services, that's, that's not their strong suit. And, um, and I think getting out of that world, and that's, that's certainly something that happened with me, um, you know, when I, I, I had my last fiat job in 2017, um, and I decided to leave it and sort of try this Bitcoin thing. I think that definitely strengthened my faith significantly. Uh, first, because, you know, I realized how much of a slave I was to the current fiat system, right? Like, and, you don't you don't really realize how many of your opinions, how much of who uh, you know who you think you are, is dependent on the position that you have within sort of that fiat hierarchy. Um, and for me, that was a large part of my identity was being you know principal architect at a firm or something like that, rather than you know what what God tells me I am, and that's uh, you know a precious child of God. And you know I I don't need to impress other people. I I just need to impress God. Um, so that, that was a, that was sort of like a big breakthrough for me from a faith perspective was recognizing that I, um, I don't need to be playing these other games. Um, and, and the more I've reflected on it, the more I realized like this was exactly what Jesus was saying. It's just, it was there the whole time. I just didn't see it because I, I didn't, I didn't recognize it for what it was. So, um, you know, the Beatitudes start with, Blessed are the poor in spirit, right? And I, I've always thought, what what does this mean? What does it mean to be poor? And a lot of people interpreted it as uh, sort of just being poor, like uh, monetarily, economically, or something. Uh, blessed are the poor. And he does say that in uh, the Sermon on the Plain, which is the parallel with Luke. But the uh, Sermon on the Mount in Matthew specifically says, blessed are the poor in spirit. And I, I've reflected and thought a lot about what does that mean? I think really what it means is sort of this status game, this uh, political hierarchy, um, and sort of being willing to be at the bottom of it. And uh, and in in that sense, like uh, you know, Bitcoiners sort of sit outside this, this political game that everyone else is uh, forced to play, and it's it's this game of. Um, you know, sort of one-upping each other in victimhood status or something like that. And, you know, sort of manipulating things so that you can get up the, uh, the status hierarchy. Uh, and it's very unnatural. It's, it's, it's not something most people are used to doing. I, you, you ask any like filmmaker, you know, that's the last thing they want to be doing. They want to go out and make films, right? Like it, you, you ask anyone, you know, you ask, um, you know, a basketball player, they, they just want to go play basketball. They don't want to have to deal with like the political ramifications of, you know, not passing the ball to person X or something like that. But politics has uh, sort of penetrated almost everything because fiat money is so involved. And when, when you've sort of like escaped from that, you realize just how much of your life is dependent on this political game. And, you know, what Jesus was saying there in the Sermon on the Mount uh, and the Beatitudes in particular was, hey, like, stop caring about all of these status games because that's that's not who you are and that's not what matters in the end. And living that out is just incredibly difficult in a fiat world because politics plays such a such an important part of your career and so on. Uh, but being in Bitcoin, I think it's it's brought me a lot closer to understanding, okay, like I don't need to play that game. And in fact, I'm okay with 
being on the bottom. And, you know, I, I can be a lot more authentic in that way. And I can just sort of say the truth. I, I don't have to worry about the political ramifications of what, what I'm saying. Um, and, you know, like, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure you're aware Isaiah Jackson was fired from Coinbase for what he said earlier. I'm like, you know what? Good for him, because I, this is what being a Bitcoin is all about. It's it's not caring about what the you know system thinks of you. It's it's just sort of like, you know, saying, yeah, none of that stuff matters because ultimately what what does matter is what God thinks of you, at, at least as a Christian. And if if that's what really matters, then who cares what they think? Um, and you know, like it, it kind of sucks, obviously, when you're poor in spirit, right? Because uh, like all, all of these people are condemning you or whatever. But ultimately, those those are, uh, you know, what Jesus promises as, uh, you know, your rewards in heaven. Um, so for me, uh, I think realizing that truth and being able to speak truth um, with what I'm saying and not really caring, you know, what this VC might you know, say later or whatever, and not trying to curry the favor of famous people or influential people, you know, that, that I think was a big step for me as a Christian, because I like, honestly, even people at church, some of the, you know, holiest people I know, they still care way too much about what other people think of them. And it's, um, I, I think one of the most insidious ways in which the devil sort of plagues Christians is is pressure, peer pressure through other people. And getting free of that is very, very difficult just on its own. But in a fiat system, it's near impossible. And getting out of that, I think, uh, was very healthy for me and very helpful. Mm. Yeah, most definitely. And, you know, there's so much to unpack there, what you said, Jimmy. And, you know, I think that the fiat debt-based system kind of stifles creativity. And I think that, you know, what, you know, Isaiah Jackson went through and what a lot of people are just going through where, um, you know, freedom of speech or the way that you think or the way that you approach things, uh, especially in the Bitcoin ecosystem is so heavily judged on whether you're going with the status quo or not. And I'm really grateful to see that, you know, someone that's, you know, considered religious can actually speak about these things freely in the Bitcoin ecosystem and still have a high level of respect. I have a high level of respect for you, no matter what you think, because I know at the end of the day, like you said, um, a about the sermon that you just given was the same concept for Bitcoin, where Bitcoin doesn't care about your political aptitude. It doesn't care about your thoughts. It's every 10 minutes, a block is being created. And it doesn't matter if we're cool or uncool, that protocol is going to continue to do that. So I think that it's the same process with when you think about God or higher power, where God is not concerned with the, the meddlings of man. You know, he's concerned with your faith and how much conviction that you have in him. So I think that that was a great breakdown, Jimmy, of, of, of kind of having the juxtaposition of those two. Mm. Well, thank you. And, um, you know, I, hopefully, I, like the thing for me that I, I really want people to get out of this is that, you know, um, there's sort of like an authentic you that comes out that that speaks the truth when you stop caring about sort of that status game in the fiat world um and that uh you know ironically i learned so, a, a lot of that from tone base who's uh who's an atheist jewish guy right like he's uh and he, he's not religious at all but one of the things i noticed was that he he had this uh freedom that i really admired uh because he he just said what he thought and he didn't really care um 
And there, there's a real freedom in being able to do that, especially with people that think they're very influential. And I put a lot of VCs in that category. They, they think, um, you know, you, you need to come up to them and kiss their rings or something like that. And that's uh, sort of the attitude that the Raul Pauls and Mark Cubans of the world have. And, um, you know, they're justifiably mocked for that reason. Uh, but that, that they're used to sort of being catered to, as are many politicians and CEOs and people like that. Um, I think sort of breaking that down and, uh, and sort of treating them, their statements, not as like commandments from God or something, but instead as just, okay, here's what you said and here's why it's wrong. That, that's sort of like very, simple truth telling is so needed <laughs> especially in today's world with all of the weird fake news and weird sort of political stuff that's going on you know i i appreciate the people that just tell it like it is i i love that dave Chappelle is you know saying you know like you know uncomfortable truths to everybody that all these comedians are like pushing back against sort of like the political narrative because in many ways, they're they're the modern day prophets. They're and like the economists and the people that bow, bow down to the corporate elite and the political elite. They're they're the false prophets. They'll they'll just tell them whatever they want to hear. But you know the the people that tell the truth. There's something really good about it, and it's 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 needed because you know. If you don't conform to reality, you're you're going to suffer the consequences, and those are not good. You don't you don't want to do that. Um, so, yeah, I I, I guess in, in a way I I'm encouraging Bitcoiners to tell the truth, uh, to to live more authentically uh, in that way. Just um, you know, don't don't try to go up the, this weird status ladder that fiat gives you. Because it'll always be there, and there it's always like, hey, just come up one more rung, you know. Um, you know, maybe eventually you can make it to the top. Uh, but it, it's 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 a Faustian bargain because ultimately you lose your soul going up that ladder. So uh, keep your soul and tell the truth. Hundred percent. And you know that kind of segues into my my last question, Jimmy, which is, you know, more and more of the public is witnessing the bad ethics of crypto, especially the exchanges as we see with FTX and some of these crazy things going on. Um, you know, why is running your own node and storing your own private keys so important for Bitcoiners? Yeah. So, uh, you know, what happened with FTX is really just people trusted Sam Bankman-Fried uh, instead of uh, verifying things for themselves. Um, and it wasn't just like the people that kept their money on that exchange. It was enormous hedge funds. It was VCs. It was even people from Sequoia, like one of the biggest, uh, you know, alpha, you know, uh, venture capitalists in the world. Um, you know, they, they barely did any due diligence, right? Like they, they just sort of like went with what other people told them. Um, the, the lesson that people need to take away from that is you verify, you don't trust. And how do you verify? You run your own node. Your node tells you exactly what's going on on the Bitcoin network. And really, Bitcoin is the only one where you can do that. Um, everything else, you're going to have to trust somebody. Um, if you're, uh, you, if you own Ethereum, even if you have it in cold storage, um, Vitalik can change the rules anytime he wants. And he has, he, he, he can force everyone towards Ethereum 2.0 where, you know, you can't unstake your coins or whatever. He, he can do whatever he wants. So, you know, in a sense, you still have to trust 
you know, uh, Vitalik Buterin, the same way if you're holding the dollar, you're trusting the Federal Reserve. Um, you, you don't want to be trusting people with your wealth because once you do, then they have this huge temptation to screw you out of that money. Um, and, you know, maybe they have a lot of integrity and, you know, they deserve your trust. I really hope you can verify that, though. Um, you know, if it's a relative or something, okay, like that, that kind of makes sense. Uh, maybe a really good friend that you've known for 30 years, maybe that makes sense. But, you know, some stranger on the internet that, you know, Forbes gives glowing coverage to, no, that's not a person that you want to be trusting. That, that's probably the last person. And unfortunately, uh, all coins have made this completely normal where you just sort of trust somebody, right? Like, <laughs> oh, that, that person will do the right thing, you know, whatever. Um, and guess what? They don't. 97.7% uh, of all Uniswap coins were just straight up rug pulls. Um, not even like a slow con or anything like that. It was just a straight up rug pull right away. Um, that, that's what happened to 97.7% of Uniswap. So that's, uh, those are the odds you're working against. Verify, don't trust. You need to run your own node. You need to understand your own stuff. And honestly, that might require uh, learning stuff that you might not be comfortable doing right now, like uh, getting a hardware wallet, putting things into cold storage, writing down your seed phases and storing them in a bank vault or some other secure location. It's work. But, you know, uh, think about when you learned how to drive, right? Like that's work that you needed to put in to get all the benefits of driving, like being able to go to places whenever you want. Um, that th This is the price you have to pay to have self-sovereign money, wealth that no one can take away. And that's uh, that's the beauty of Bitcoin. And that's that's why it's important. Yep, I couldn't have said it better myself. And you know, self custody is new; it's alien to people, but it's needed. It's 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 just a part of the growing pains of being a Bitcoiner. And I think that the whole premise, the whole motto of Bitcoin, is to hold your own keys because you're trying to relinquish your power from the banks, from the centralized control of your wealth, like you said, Jimmy. And I think that you know everything you said in this podcast episode is just super impactful, and I really hope that it helps people. Um, my last thoughts on this, Jimmy, is could you give people your social media or any future endeavors that you might have that you want the audience to know about? Well, my Twitter is at Jimmy Song, and I have a newsletter, jimmysong.substack.com, um, and you can go to programmingbitcoin.com for my website. Um, and all my stuff is there. I'm working on a new book. Um, you know, a lot of uh, the thoughts that I've shared on this podcast will probably be in it. Uh, but yeah, it's it's about fiat money and how it ruins a lot of civilization and how uh, Bitcoin is our way out. Um, and, you know, I, I'll probably be publishing that in the next six months or so. But that's that's what I'm working on. Um, but yeah, other than that, you know, um, you know, follow me on Twitter and um yeah, that's about it, I guess. Once again, Jimmy, thank you for taking time to be on the Bitcoin source. This Bitcoin conversation was great. Have a good one. Thank you.